At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Raina Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant line, raid line, whatever, isn't completely full. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Can, can I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch, claw, up against the wall. Can't explain it, what I'm feeling right now, guys. Let's open up that raid line! Woohoo! Oh, I can't believe USC is going to do the same thing again year after year oh no hello everybody welcome back to reign of troy radio episode 373 coming to you on wednesday july 8th we're going to talk about the latest in usc football including more i know i know we don't want to talk about it either more covid19 news and what it means for usc and usc football All that and more, including a mailbag featuring your questions about the Trojans. As always, you can follow us on Twitter, Reign of Troy. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Reign of Troy. Be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Overcast, Google Play, and Spreaker. Our bonus episodes are on Patreon, patreon.com slash Reign of Troy. Our email address is Reign of Troy at fansider.com. And our phone number is 213-373-1USC-SECA-WESPERIN-SHOW. I'm your host, Michael Casillo. Join along my co-host, Alicia Daratola. Hello, everybody. Hello, Alicia. The the big news that is just rattling, rattle. I like rattling. Let's, let's we can embrace this as a word. Can, can it be our like the 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 podcast of champions has herocious? Can can rattling be our words? I like rattling. Okay, I'm here for it. That is rattling Twitter on Tuesday. Fernando Alonso going back to Reno. I mean, I have been an F1 fan for all of three days, uh, but this was shocking news, Michael. It was absolutely shocking. It was rattling uh, wow. to, to wake up this morning and see the headline that Fernando Alonso, my boy. Fr- I have two boys. What does this mean for Carlos Sainz? How are you going to balance these two uh, Spaniards? That's my thing. I watched the first episode of the F1 whatever show that is on Netflix, Drive to Survive. I watched one episode of it and got hooked, and it was the episode about Fernando Alonso and Carlos Sainz, the two Spaniards, in in, they were in Barcelona or Madrid? There was a race that was in Barcelona. In Barcelona, yeah. And, like, I'm sitting here going, like, who's going to be my boy? And Fernando Alonso retired, so Carlos Sainz is my boy. And now my older boy is is coming back to F1 racing, so... I am going to be split between Renault and uh, McLaren slash to be soon to be Ferrari uh, for Carlos Sainz. So. Yeah, but one of those teams. In other news, the Reign of Troy podcast is now, Reign of Troy Radio is now Reign of F1. Yeah, Reign of F1 for yeah. sure. Yeah. Uh, big, big race, the Austrian Grand Prix. Lando Norris coming away with a huge podium, his first podium of his career. Big, big, good, good big McLaren. moment. Youngest British driver ever to make a podium at the young age of 20 what were you doing when you were 20 probably not getting the podium at the austrian grand prix so uh big shouts to to good old lando but uh 
let's talk about uh, this podcast. The, the, the Rain of Troy Radio, the one that's supposed to be about USC football, yeah, even though USC football looks further and further and further away. It looks so far away at this point, uh, but we're, 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 we're making the most of it. Michael, of you, it, realize, you realize that we are in the, the, the first week of July, second week of July, technically, and normally, normally this would begin the, hey, we're only so-and-so weeks away from... Media Day. How That's crazy. That's how usually we like, and open then every July episode. Every yeah. episode going towards August is like, wow, I can't believe how close the season is. And now it's like July July 8th It will will be when this episode goes out. And uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, mm. uh, who knows what the hell's going on, but we're just going along uh, for the ride. Still giving you a podcast every single week. Uh, spoiler alert, next week's episode, we are going to record this week and drop next week, barring there being no breaking, 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 breaking news that needs an emergency podcast, uh, next week's episode, uh, will, will be, uh, an evergreen one. And I think it's going to be something fun. We're, we're, we're putting something together, uh, that hopefully will be a good, good time for you guys. And something that maybe a little bit of a distraction from the whole COVID-19 thing. Well, we all need distractions from COVID-19 and from all the happenings in the world. Uh, you and I will be distracted by being on vacation. And the listeners will be distracted by the distraction that we uh, that we throw up there for the main show. Show me something. Show the fans something. We're yeah. trying, guys. We're trying. Yeah, we are. Uh, as always, you can get more bonus content over at Patreon, patreon.com slash Reign of Troy. For as little as 5.55, you get all of our bonus content. For 10 bucks, you get to join our Slack channel. Uh, if you only want to give us 3.33, you can do that and get ad-free episodes. You also get ad-free episodes at the 5.55 and 10 buck level as well. Patreon.com slash Reign of Troy is where you can join the club. Alicia, let's get to the new show. Let's do it. Yeah, this week, Fernando Alonso is rattalizing Twitter. Last week, or late last week, it was USC rattalizing Twitter as the school announced mostly an online schedule for the 2020 fall semester, uh, but will be also begin phase two of the athletics uh, re-entry plan on Wednesday, today, July 8th. Yeah, so sort of mixed signals from USC not holding a, a largely in-person fall semester is certainly counter to what USC had originally proposed that they were going to do. They had originally said they were going to try and do uh, an in-person semester, and that's obviously gone by the wayside, just given the way that everything has progressed uh, since that first sort of stage had been announced. Uh, but on the flip side, the student-athletes are coming back, and they are continuing to come back. USC hasn't had any major outbreaks among the student-athletes that they've been testing, so this will be another really important phase if you if you do have any hope for football being played this this fall for, for USC then this second phase bringing players who aren't within the sort of I think it was the uh, one hour radius of uh, of USC bringing them all back to campus that means you're bringing different kinds of people who were from different kinds of bubbles and different kinds of states and and mixing them all together it could get a little bit uh, a little bit more wonky but we have seen you know Notre Dame tested 252 
players and staff, and they've announced that their second wave of testing had no one positive. They had one positive test in the first round, and and they've recovered, and the antibody tests were also very uh, minimal for for Notre Dame. So it can be done. You can successfully create a bubble on campus and and move yourself that much closer to playing uh, football, or at the very least, to practicing. But for right now, from the university perspective, it's... It's difficult to see how USC will justify playing football games if students at large are not on campus. Con- contrary to that kind of thinking, though, it's it's funny. I feel like it's safer to play football if you don't have students on campus because that's less amount of people that the athletes could be exposed to on a daily basis. But like morally and ethically, if you're not bringing students back, then asking student athletes to come back and expose themselves to a wide variety of people as you would uh, not just your teammates, but the hundred or so other people on the other, on the other field, you know, on the on the other side of the field that doesn't quite follow. So it's, it's such a weird dynamic that I don't really, I can't really grasp for sh- for certain which way I feel about this. Right, yeah. In, in a bubble, uh, in which we know this is not going to be a bubble, but uh, a different kind of bubble, but in in a vacuum, per se, right? Yeah, I agree that it would be safer to only have football players on campus and whatnot, but as much as people, you know, wish it was, USC does not exist uh, to only play football. Uh, they don't come to play school? No. Well, I mean, you know what I mean. Um, it, it's, it's a situation where, you know, the football team is part of the university. It's not that the university is part of the football team. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. I don't know how you, how you justify that. I don't know how you rationalize that. Um, they're also going to have to figure out something for all the well, – there were reports earlier this week about uh, ICE and um, visas with international students and the school – Potentially seeing a way around that, so yeah. If if maybe maybe there's a way, to, if there's a way for that, maybe there's a way for football. But that visas are way more serious than football, even if it doesn't make money for the school. Well, it, certainly international students make money for the school, but doesn't make money for the the school in the same way that that the marketing of a football season does. It's a completely different thing. So it, this is one of those interesting things where. There's so many reasons to have the football seasons financially, uh, not just at USC, but college sports in general. Football is the cash cow. Football funds everything else in terms of athletics. Uh, you need football to survive for the athletic programs to survive. You really do. Um, but you're you're in a really difficult place when you look at things like, you know, the was it FC Dallas just shuttered? Uh, their team down from the MLS restart. The the San Francisco Giants just closed down their workouts, uh, their camp, um, with with baseball season just a couple of weeks away. Things are getting to a weird point where it's it's hard to be still in this limbo uh, at, at this point on July eighth. Well, and that's the limbo is is certainly going to continue for the next week or so, but. Yeah. Things are going to get really real over the next week. It's really unfortunate that that uh, my vacation has been planned for this next week because I think stuff's going to go down next week. Um, I expect an emergency podcast. There's a with, reason with terrible audio. There's a reason that podcast equipment will be brought 
on vacation uh, because I have a, a sinking feeling in my gut that stuff will be happening. I just really need to hope that it doesn't happen while I'm in the middle of the wilderness in Yosemite because that'd be perfect. Um, but as an aside, the Ivy League is going to be announcing their plan for the upcoming season. Uh, we expect that announcement to come on Wednesday, so the day this is published. And all signs point to the Ivy League moving their season to the spring. Now, there's been a lot of pushback about the relevance of that because a lot of people are saying, like, the Ivy League isn't going to dictate what the Power Five does. But And that may be true. I don't think the SEC gives a crap what the Ivy League does. But I think the Pac-12 does. If any Power Five conference were going to pay attention to what the Ivy League chooses to do, it's the Ivy League of the West. Like, I don't think the Ivy League is going to dictate things. The Ivy League is going to is going to serve as an example that that thing can the, happen. The Ivy League is the that canary. That decision is, is, is on the table for technically everybody. The Ivy League is the canary in the coal mine? Sure, yeah. Like, that's what I think. Like, I think the Ivy League is going to make the make the tough decision, and it's going to make it easier for all these other leagues to say, oh, well, maybe we need to follow suit. Right. Not that the Ivy League but is dictating, but that... But but the, uh, the, the, uh, the opposite is definitely true, that the Ivy League doesn't participate in the FCS playoffs. Uh, they, they do not participate... They do not compete for national championships uh, in football, so it's not like their absence is going to dictate anything. The Ivy Leagues and the HBCUs, um, a lot of them, like the like the SWAC and the MEAC, don't participate in the playoffs anyway. So it's not going to change anything uh, if those conferences are not participating in the fall. However, like like you said, it's it's another example for there's another way of thinking about it and. Ultimately, a lot of this is going to come down to TV partners. It's going to come down to the universities. It's going to come down to the governments, like we've talked about what before. Are the, what do the trends look like? Yeah, and and, and, th- and things could certainly change. I, I think, you know, uh, not to get completely ahead of ourselves, because we do have uh, questions in the mailbag, and, and I just wanted to pull out one. Uh, we got a tweet from Seahawks Joe. Why isn't a spring season being the number one thing talked about? It would be the best for the school, more money, the fans, and the players were not having to play in a pandemic, hopefully. Most of the reasons people give for there not being a spring season can be changed, like when the draft is, when the 2021 season potentially begins, and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I'm com- I'm completely w- with, with Seahawks Joe here. I, I think the interesting thing is, you know, you have to... Going to the spring is an alternative... But I think you need to exhaust the, the fall semester first. You need to try to play in the fall. If you can't play in the fall, then you go to the spring. Uh, I don't I don't believe that you should just cancel the, the, the fall without considering the spring first. You might as well just give the spring a try too. Uh, give both of those semesters a, a, a try at, at some point. Think it out. Try to figure out a way to do it. But but yeah, the, the spring does make the most sense though. Uh, you know, Joe says that it would be the best for not having to play during a pandemic, hopefully. That though is just completely conjecture because we don't know that the we we don't know what the situation will be two months from now, much less six months from now. So uh, you know, there there's different reports on on when a vaccine is going to arrive. Uh if that vaccine comes uh by January, then then sure, yeah, then things will be completely different in a completely different boat, and maybe you can have fans and all that kind of stuff, but if that vaccine doesn't come around until next summer, then next spring is still played in conditions 
that could be similar to this. We just don't know. And I think that uncertainty uh, is the frustrating part because this limbo and being in this situation where you have to talk about these things over and over and over again, all with with caveats, is is frustrating. It's absolutely frustrating, but I I think that Joe is right about it's the safest for the school across the board. Even it doesn't come without risk, of course, that's a given. But it's safer to me to wait until the spring, see what we know then. Even if there is no vaccine, at least we'll know a little bit more about how the virus operates, how to contend with it, how to treat it, and all of those things that come with the time that we need to study this thing. Uh, Maybe we get to spring and we realize... Uh, yeah, there are the, the, there is minimal risk if you do certain uh, if you take certain precautions, but we just can't say for certain right now that that's the case. And I I think the that I would, as I've said in the past, I would err on the side of the cautious uh, and and just just wait, just wait. Don't try to push through my fear. And this is where at the very least I can say and this is such an odd thing. I mean. Talk about, you know, things, statements that I didn't think I'd be saying six months ago. But I have a weird amount of faith in the Pac-12 to make a logical and reasonable decision on this. I fear that the SEC and the Big 12 and, and other conferences might push forward for a fall season no matter what. And my my thing is just, I agree with you, let's try to do the fall season. But it can't be a no matter what proposition. It absolutely right. can't. You have to be willing to pivot and have backup plans. And that's one of the concerns that I've seen. We've seen talk that the Pac-12 is considering a spring backup plan. But there were other reports that were coming out saying that like other conferences haven't discussed it in the slightest. So I'm like, you guys, I mean, that's not that's not safe. You need to at least have discussed what does it look like? How do we do it if we really need to? And maybe a month from now, two months from now, we look back and say, man, those spring football plans were totally unneeded, but I'd rather sort of have those go by the wayside than not have a plan and then push through with a football season that is ultimately unsafe for society at large. And again, I I go back to what I talked about. It's not necessarily about the 18 to 23 year olds who are going to be putting themselves at risk. It's the people in their bubbles that I fear for. It's the society at large uh, that I fear for when it comes to these things. So it's a big, big, big complex issue. I just want the people that are in power to be considering all of their options, to be putting safety first, and to be reasonable about the way that they ultimately decide whether or not they're going to try and play. Um, it's part of the reason why uh, you know, we can just get into this is also on our rundown, but John Wilner has a put out a, his plan for how to restart the season and you know, I disagree with a lot of what John Milner writes a lot of the time, but I think he's spot on on this one. His sources had told him that there's a lot of discussion about a an eight plus one model, which would be play eight conference games, get rid of your out of conference schedule, and then add one additional game against an FCS or, or a group of five uh, opponent that is local, that could be bust in, that wouldn't have to fly. I wonder if in USC's case, they could reason away the making it Notre Dame, especially now that Notre Dame has such good numbers right now. Maybe they maybe, 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 I don't know. But um but the idea being that you would play those nine games, eight of them would be conferences, but you'd situate the season around the around like acknowledging you're playing during a pandemic. I think one of the most right. interesting aspects of his plan 
is to first he would delay the season by two weeks so you wouldn't start until the end of September, September 19th. Um, you'd move the Pac-12 championship game back a week so that you create 13 Saturdays in between. And then you play a rotation that is two on, one off. So you'd play two weekends consecutively and then basically have a built-in flex week slash bye week in between there so that if you had an outbreak, if you had players who weren't able to play, if you had situations that popped up, you could take that week off and do a two-week quarantine safely and then get back to playing in another two weeks uh, or in the ne- you know the next week. Uh, it seems like a very reasonable plan. Uh, I don't know how realistic it is, but it's certainly I, at least someone is thinking about these kinds of things. At least someone is thinking, OK, if we're going to play football this fall. Right. Here's the safest way to do it. Here's the way to do it where we acknowledge that these are not normal times and you can't just start on the day you thought you were going to start in the places you thought you were going to start and play every week like that is getting to the point of unreasonable, I think. Yeah, one hundred percent. So uh, it's it's going to be a, a fascinating um, situation for the next couple of weeks to see what happens, what the ultimate uh, scenario that everything goes down uh, with, because the decisions are going to have to be made rel- relatively soon. Uh, I've seen dates, you know, be bantered about. Uh, nothing, you know, con- conclusive of of when decisions need to be made, but it's got to be soon. Uh, you know, we're we're coming up on like that seven eight week mark until. The college football season starts, uh, and fall camp and all that stuff, and things are progressing that way. But um, in in a weird way, we need an all clear. Uh, if that makes any sense, uh, we're gonna take a quick break though. We're gonna come back and uh, get a little wacky. We're gonna talk about creating our own college football programs. Yeah, we're. All right, Alicia, it's no secret that you and I are suddenly into Formula One. I am super into the F1 uh, video game series put out by Codemasters. F1 2020 uh, dropped this week. The early release came out on Tuesday. I've already downloaded it and been playing it. Uh, The highlight is what's called My Team, where you can create your own Formula One team. Literally make everything. The colors... The team name, the logo, hire your drivers, you, you you hire the engine supplier, everything. It's the coolest thing ever. So, this is going to be an inspiration to a topic here. We're going to talk about creating our own college football programs. You're going to create your own university strictly for the sake of having college football. So, it's a university where they come to play football. Football, not they, play they basically only come to play football. It's it's university in name only, practically. Okay. Yeah. Like, they get, like if if you were creating you get a, you a get school, a degree in football studies. Sure. Yeah. If if um if Codemasters was making a a college football game and they had the my team, but it was called my school. Or like you could create in NCAA fourteen. Yes, but we're gonna take it a step further. Okay. Complete step further. We're, we're, we're going to walk through all the, the options you have in the F1, my team, and make it my school for this hypothetical college football video game that we're putting together here. So here we go. Let, let, let's start. What is the name 
of your hypothetical school? That would be Emperor's College. Emperor's College, why? Because of the Emperor Penguins. In case you didn't already know my mascot. So, <laughs> Emperor's College? Yes. Wouldn't it just be Emperor College? Fine, Emperor College. Because Emperor's Penguin sounds weird. Okay, Emperor College. Emperor College. Yes. Okay. So, EC. 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 Okay, so what are fans of Emperor College, what are they called? Fans and students and alums. Are they called imps? Uh, like, 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 you do, know. Do you call USC people usks? No, but I, <laughs> the, the reason I'm asking is like, like you have, you know, volunteers are shortened to vols. Well, no, you, because you, it you would be the Ole Miss shortened to, to from from Mississippi. Would, would you would you call it uh, MC? MC. Oh, I like MC. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. There you go. I dig it. MC. The mascot is the penguins. Okay. So fans is MC the official hashtag. Ooh. Oh. Hashtag no fly zone. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. You are regretting this segment, aren't you? I already am. Yeah. People are tuning out left and right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I'm guessing uh, black and gold are your color. Yeah, black. You're just completely stealing the Pittsburgh Penguins. Black, white, and gold. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. I mean, what else? I mean, there's no other. I could throw in some blue there, but I got to go simple: black, white, and gold. All right, all right, all right. Yeah. Uh, I am going to, um, I'm going to go with a motif based on the Los Angeles Kings and the royal purple, electric blue, purple color, okay. orange blue, uh, with black. Uh, and my my school is going to be called the Roosevelt Rough Riders. Oh, yeah, I like it. Yeah, named after Teddy Roosevelt, of course. Uh, it's be Theodore Roosevelt University, TRU. Okay, and it true. is true. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the yeah, the Teddy Roosevelt University Rough Riders. Yeah, Rough Riders is a great like mascot name. It is. It is. I yeah. don't know why it's not more popular uh, in America. Obviously, there's the Saskatchewan. Rough Riders of the CFL, but you don't really find that name uh, too often in American sports for for reasons I don't understand because Rough Riders are so historic in American history. Uh, so yeah, Teddy Roosevelt, one of the greatest presidents of all time. Uh, that's what my school is the the uh, Roosevelt Rough Riders with a purple and black color scheme after the LA Kings. Uh, Alicia, who is going to be your uniform provider? Uh, I'd have to go with Nike. Yeah. Maybe move over to like Jumpman if I had to choose not Nike. Okay. But, yeah. I'm going straight up Nike for yeah. sure. Just do it. Uh, there's nobody else I would ever consider. Yeah. Uh, I, I As UCLA has recently find out, found out, don't sign that lucrative no. deal with someone like Under Armour. No. I, As I Liverpool found you. out, don't sign the, liver, the lucrative deal with Warrior. Like I can I can tell you, uh, like I am so elated 
that this means SC will never have that deal with Under Armour? <laughs> Thank you God. Were, I can't worried? stand Under Armour jerseys. They're the worst. Well, Adidas are worse, but the Under Armour jerseys are almost as badly. The Adidas jerseys are so tight, they look like they're like saran wrapped tight, on. Like the Puma jerseys in yes. uh, soccer? Yes. They're, they're, they're physically tight like that, like they're painted on. It's so weird. Uh, and, and then you look at the Under Armour jerseys, I just don't like the cut of them. I don't like the colors. Uh, the um, the gold pants that UCLA and Notre Dame have are almost like pukey green. They're terrible. It's not a good Awful. gold. No, the best part of Notre Dame's uniforms are the helmets. Absolutely. Which Under Armour does nothing with. Yeah, the golden domes are legitimately like great for Notre Dame. Everything yeah. below them is like... The worst, and that's the thing is Notre Dame's uniforms are pretty standard classic. Like they're unscrew upable to to, root, to like mess them up. They're least. they're the worst version of those uniforms that Notre Dame has ever worn. Yes, and and it's it's very frustrating. Um, so yeah, I I am I would go with with Nike as my supplier for sure. What what is your fight song? My fight song is "All Hail the Penguins, Emperors." As they are, da da la la la, something like that. Uh, 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 this is really taking <laughs> turns that I did not expect. <laughs> we had no drinks. By was the way. I supposed? I thought to myself, I did before we started recording. Alicia, you should pour yourself a drink. And then I thought to myself, no, it's you know, it's work. Don't drink on the job. I really should have. Although then you might have gotten more of the singing that I just did, which I apologize. D- like, do you have a fight song? Yeah. It, okay, tell me the fight song. Two of- millionaires riding dirty. <laughs> <laughs> We're the Rough Riders, baby. That's not your. That was like a theme song. That's like a, a an like the song that you hey, come if out. If Stanford can play uh, "All Right Now" by Free, then then damn right. Uh, I'm not saying you can't. Tru can play. Can, I'm not can play, saying uh, uh, right and dirty. I'm not saying that the Rough Riders couldn't like use that as their entrance song. But no, like that's not your fight, fight song. song. Hey guys, future Michael here popping in from the editing bay, and you're probably thinking, why didn't he pick the Rough Riders anthem? Yeah, I'm thinking the same thing too. Right and dirty's awesome, but it has to be the Rough Riders anthem by DMX, that is going to be our fight song for the TRU Rough Riders. Riders up. Now back to the show. It is, it is going to be arranged. <laughs> we're going to pay Tony Fox to come out of retirement to arrange it. Uh, we're just going to steal everything the SC band does, and then that's what we're going to do. All right. You, you do you. Yeah, right and dirty. That's, that's yeah. right. Uh, okay, where is your school located? Uh, my school has to be located, uh, I mean, realistically, could I say my school is located in Los Angeles, California? Okay. But, like, if I wanted to go thematically, I feel like I'd have to go, I'd have to be in the in the, in the the U.S.? Yeah, I would think it has to be in the U.S. Well, you gotta go, like, Alaska or something like that. Alaska, okay. Not yeah. that Alaska has penguins. Definitely so like, does not have penguins. No. So you might as well go with California. Okay, but someplace on, along the coast. Sure, there? yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, I am going to put uh, TRU uh, in San Diego. 
Not a bad place. Good for recruiting, I mm-hmm. think. Uh, decent but, weather. But you don't have someone like USC or UCLA competing with you. For, for local recruits, yes. But you're still, you still have access to the LA pipeline, for sure. So uh, that's where I'm going. Okay, here's, here's a tough question. Which rich guy or gal would you pursue to be your number one booster? Who is sponsoring the Emperor Penguins? The em- Emperor College will bestow a an honorary degree to hmm Paul. Who's this? Uh, Paul Allen is the guy for the Seahawks. At least yeah, but he passed away. Oh, did he? Oh, crap! <laughs> Paul Allen's next of kin. <laughs> I don't know. I'm sorry. Uh, not like Steven Spielberg. I don't know. I don't know. So, who okay. who right. has too much money? Maybe I should go the British, Jeff? the British soccer route, and go find some Russian oh, okay. oligarch, and that'll be my my sugar daddy for this uh, this so college. You're gonna go with Russian oil money and not Middle Eastern oil money. Uh, oil. Someone with oil money. Okay. I'm pretty uncomfortable with going like through the Chinese government, which is the other option for okay. getting a lot of money. Okay. So I'd rather right. not do that. But uh, yeah, sell yourself out for some oil money. It's been done before. Okay, I I, I like that idea. Uh, I am going to go into a very easy route here. Not only is his fight song our fight song, his money will be ours. Chameleonaire, our number one booster. <laughs> He's a businessman. Look up his Wikipedia uh, page. He's uh, an investor in like uh, uh, Uber and Lyft and like all these different companies. uh, You know what? I think that you... He got out of the rap game and became an investment uh, mogul. Like... uh, He's going to bank... He's going to be TRU's uh, Casey Wasserman. He's going to be TRU's... um, The the Oklahoma State... um, What's his name? The uh, Oklahoma State booster. The Oklahoma State. The T. T. Boone Pickens. Yeah. He's going to be our Pickens. And then I was just thinking, I can't remember his name, but who's the guy? Warren Buffett. That's who I'm going after. I'm going after Warren Buffett. Okay. He's a sports fan. He's got a lot of money. Okay. He's probably a little bit too, like, on top of his money. He's going to be all down for the MC? For the EMC, yes. MC. EM, Yeah. MC, MC. <laughs> we'll get it. We'll get it right. MC pens. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, uh, which. Oh, Elon Musk is another. Actually, I changed my answer. Elon Musk is the answer because Warren Buffett isn't frivolous enough. Elon Musk is just frivolous enough with his money to like go all in on and this. And frivolous with this COVID 19. Elon Musk. Sure. Well, okay. I, we just set those, set, set a lot of his opinions to the side. Okay. You, you just want his money. Oh well, yes, you're just gold digging. I want his money and his sort of like eccentricness. Okay, all right. Uh, who is going to be your athletic director? Realistically, who could you hire right now? The athletic director at Alabama, whose name I am currently forgetting. Yes, Greg Byrne, okay. the former Arizona. Yeah. Okay, and then who is your who's going to be your head coach? And this has to be real, like a realistically. You can't just. Pick I can't just Nick pick, Saban. get Nick Saban. No. <laughs> okay, realistically, my head coach. Um, can, can I? Can I do something like Matt Rule, even though he has just just 
I don't think like, he, is that he's unre- not going to is go that to unrealistic? a startup university. Oh, it's a startup university. Okay. Well, yeah. Well, we, yeah. We're creating this university okay. just to have football. So, so we need somebody who is available, first and foremost. Yep. Uh, <laughs> I'm going with Todd Graham. It's his dream job, Michael. There you go. That's a good freaking pick. That is a legitimately and good pick. And he just yeah. signed with Hawaii, so it would be very on brand for Todd Graham to leave that job to come be Man, the, uh, I love that pick. MC. Uh, uh, yeah, head coach. Yeah, that that He'd be is, decent to get you off the ground. Like that's pick. that's not a bad. Like I I would feel pretty decent, comfortable with the idea that he could get the penguins off the ground at least figuratively yeah, that, that is a, that, that's a that's a really good pick i do have some a good idea sometimes michael like you might have won the whole thing with that pick. there you go who's your pick i think it needs to be a figurehead of sorts someone who is short term uh it would be I mean, we're talking realistic hires right it would be you know a pipe dream to say that you could go out and get uh, Lincoln Riley, right? Because mm-hmm. that, that just wouldn't work. But I'm going to say Bob Stoops. And the reason I'm going to say Bob Stoops... That is not a bad option either. Because you go with Bo- Bob Stoops, went to the XFL. Yes. You go to Bob Stoops for the sole intent of he's just going to hire some dudes. He's going to be on the job for like a year or two and then move on. And that's fine. And the fact... And he can stay retired. He doesn't have to... I'm not hiring him to win national championships now. It's a new university. I'm hiring him as the face of a program for marketing. Yeah. And to, you know, bring some reputation to the schools. That way we can go out and hire the next great coach. Well, and the fact that he did the XFL thing tells you he's sort of down for anything. Right. That's my thought, too. Yeah. I like yeah. that pick. Yeah. So I'm going with, uh, with uh, Big Game Bob. Uh, all right. How many years would it take? For you to make the college football playoffs with the Emperor Penguins. Playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. You kidding me? Huh. Um, well, let's just assuming that Elon Musk is willing to put uh, like we're just going to assume that you start in D one. Okay. Like you're a D one independent. Okay. So if I'm a D one independent. That means it's probably going to take five to ten years to get into it. You're like Old Dominion, right? Yeah. Five to ten years to get into a conference, and then five years after that. Yep. So I'm going 15 years, 20 years. 15, 20 years. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to go 12 years. 12 years. I think we can do it in 12 years. What is uh, what do you do you agree with me that you need to get into a conference in order to make this a reality? Oh yeah, for sure. You 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 need to get into a conference and you need to become Boise State. Yeah. And then ride that momentum after creating becoming Boise State, ride that momentum and actually pay pay off and go into a big conference or a, a new realignment of college football. Yeah. And allow that surge to be what carries or you, you into need, the playoffs. Or you need playoffs. Don't talk about playoffs. You kidding me? Or you need the 18 playoff to come around. And that's the other yeah, thing is true. if the 18 playoff comes around, that's the great equalizer. Maybe that's how you get it done in under 10 years. Because if they're going to allow every conference, like, like if it goes to 16 and you have every conference gets a champion in there. Then and potentially then you're, you're talking, yeah. Potentially, then you're talking five to seven years. Yeah. By the time you get to a conference, 
and then win a conference? The, the problem is, is that how quickly would you need to recruit? Like, your recruiting needs to go pretty big pretty fast. Yeah. Because you probably need a solid three, four cycles. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And by cycle, I mean classes, like right. three-year cycles, in order to get up to Alabama's level, well, to get up to Clemson's at, at TRU, we're not worried about school, so we're going to have plenty of time that's, to recruit. That's very true. Which might be a good recruiting <laughs> tool, to be that, honest. That, uh, that, that, that degree in football studies might be very attractive to a lot of kids out there. Yeah, and and we are going to uh, just think of all the guys to, to hit all of those uh, recruiting trusts. Just uh, think and, of all and, the non qualifiers out there. Just think about all the non qualifiers out there you could pick up. Think of the JCs that you could go straight to immediately and say, "Hey, yeah, here you go." We're gonna be swinging a big bat with our recruiting pass over yeah. at Roosevelt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The fighting teddies. The fighting teddies. <laughs> yeah, the fighting teddies. That's our unofficial name, by the way. I uh, like it. But we do own the copyright, so that way we can make money make, off of And make t-shirts and all that kind of stuff. Fighting teddies, yeah. yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, so th- what happens if your team faces my team and there's a rivalry between Emperor College and MC? TRU? Uh, then that's great. What would the name of that rivalry be? We should make this happen in NCAA 14. Like... I don't know why we're talking about this right you now. You can't we create just... those things anymore. You can't. Oh, because you can't use the they, team builder they, they, anymore. They took down the team builder. Oh, that Bastards. makes me sad. That makes me very sad. What would you? You, you can in F one. You can make uh, Emperor Penguin Racing. If there you, you go, Emperor Racing. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I should do that. Do it. I should do it. And we'll update the the listeners on our progress in F one. Are you gonna? While we're not watching your Carlos Sainz immediately? Absolutely. He's my boy. (laughs) All right, we'll take a quick break and get in the mail then. You've got mail. All right, let's go to a Slack question we got from MC in Palmdale regarding your Doom and Gloom episode number 372. After hearing this whole show, I can't help but only draw one conclusion that college and high school sports programs cannot survive this at all. This has all impacted their sport budget already, so how can they plan for a spring program? I see most programs opting out and skipping the 2020 season. I mean, uh, again, we're it's another doom and gloom episode to start with, but uh, I think that it will have serious consequences, this entire thing, and, and I think that athletics departments will be crippled in a, in a lot of places by this. It's going to change the shape of college sports as a result. Uh, I don't think you can get away from that conclusion. Um, does that mean that programs will skip the spring program from a football perspective? I don't think so. I think if you are a football program that has TV partners, you have incentive to make those games happen. So even though you might think about skipping out on the season entirely the fact that espn and fox and and all and cbs can still broadcast your games if you can make them happen that's where the money's at and you have a very good reason to make that happen this is why you're seeing division three and and a lot of the the lower level teams that aren't tv revenue kind of uh, programs they're canceling their season 
because it doesn't make a difference to them. Yeah. But at the Power Five level, at the at the at the FBS level, there is enough money in the TV deal that there's a massive incentive to make sure that a season of some variety happens, even if it's just the Pac-12 conference games. Yeah, there, there's too many millions of reasons with a dollar sign uh, to keep the hope alive um, for now until you can't, and then you can then it's going to be talking about the spring, and then it's going to be. Uh, you know, I, I think canceling the season for the for the big money schools, uh, like SC certainly is. It's it's a three strikes and out thing. It's not just going to be fall and that's it. I think it's going to be fall, spring, and then conceding defeat completely because there's too many millions of reasons to keep the hope alive in um, in some some fashion. Yeah, and and that's that's the thing is. You want to keep that hope alive because of the millions that are at stake. And FBS programs have millions at stake here. And, uh, it you know, I am more curious about what are high school programs going to do and how are they right. going to impact uh, high school, which is another thing that MC brought up. Uh, that'll, that, but at the same time, we don't know what's going to go on with high schools either, let alone high school sports. So, right. you know, the, the economy is wrecked, uh, not just the sports economy, the, the economy at large is, uh, is going to be feeling the effects of this, whether you're playing football or not. Yeah. Too many moving parts to, uh, to for sure know anything at this point. Unfortunately, uh, we got an email from George who says, I'm not, and this is about last week's episode. I'm not sure about all NASCAR tracks, but Dallas seats 200,000. You mentioned 1,000 fans. If you put 1,000 fans in Texas Motor Speedway, you could play hide-and-seek. Indianapolis Motor Speedway, if you count the infield, holds 400,000. George from Grapevine, Texas. Uh, yeah, I think that that's, that's a fascinating way to look at it because you know I had mentioned last week that NASCAR was allowing 5,000 fans to be at Talladega a few weeks ago. 5,000 fans at a venue like that is nothing, right? Like, those are literally specs. You can have one person get entire sections, practically, um, or uh, ro complete rows to themselves. Uh, 5,000 at the Coliseum would be a little bit more tighter. And even then, 5,000 at the Coliseum would be wide, 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 and wide, wide, wide open. So, uh, but the bottom line is that number at the Coliseum, 5,000, or 1,000, still might be more than than people are comfortable with. We, we, we don't know. We, 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 we just don't know at this point. I think if you're talking about, and this was a, a question that we answered last week too that we sort of touched on, is the idea of, yeah, you could do the social distancing thing with 5,000, but is it worth it at that point? How do you choose which 5,000 you're letting in? Are you going to make enough money off of that to even have the, the trouble of going through? You're going to have to have... Uh, security you're going to have to have concessions you're going to have to have cleaning staff you're going to have to have uh you know people at the gates and parking attendants and all that kind of stuff i don't know if it's worth it to have 5000 fans show up unless they're family right. members yeah. um that's the, the other question that i have for as far as social distancing, distancing is concerned it's not so much how you're spread out in the stadium it's 
how do you get into the stadium? How do you prevent people from crowding around certain areas? How do you prevent uh, gridlock when you're talking about getting into the the ticket ticket turnstiles and all those kinds of things? And, you know, there is evidence that says that you contracting the virus is very difficult unless you spend a lot of time in sort of air that's not circulating with someone who has it. So, like, maybe those risks are still, you know, as we move along, we'll realize that it's it's not a risk to have people standing in a line to wait right. to get their tickets in. We just can't say that for now. And so, again, right. this goes back to, like, in the spring, I'd be more comfortable with. Well, maybe in the spring we realized, like, yeah, you can have 10,000 people in a stadium. You figure it out and it's fine. Use an outdoor venue. Yeah. So, like, I'd just rather wait and, and find out how that all works together. But there are logistical questions about limiting the number of fans. And, and the thing that I keep coming back to is at what percentage is it not worth it? Yeah. I I, I, I don't know. I don't think anybody knows at this point, which is the uh, the frustrating part. Uh, let's go to a Slack message from John John in Cape Town, South Africa. With the NFL, they have the Players Association, but with NCAA slash college sports, they may not have the best interest of the college kids. As much as we would love to have a 2020 season and knowing kids don't have an unbiased association to protect them, do we think it is fair for the health and safety of the kids to play this year? That's a gigantic question. I mean, we, we, we talked about it earlier. If you're not going to have students on campus um, in general, how can you morally, ethically justify having athletes on campus when you call them student athletes? Which we know the the schools, the conferences, the NCAA, like nothing gets them hot and bothered more than calling these guys student athletes. Yeah, and and that's like I like I got to earlier. In one sense, it's safer to have less people around them and to have them play. And I think there is part of me that thinks that a lot of them would prefer to play as opposed to not. Would put that we know that they put their safety aside to the side because they do it with all the evidence that we have of CTE and the injuries that they that they deal with. So, like those calculations are. Uh, something to take into account. But like for me, it's more the societal thing. If we don't think it's safe for 200 people to come together in a uh, in a in a classroom setting or even 50 people to come together, or even 20 people to come together in a classroom setting uh, because societally it's a problem, then bringing the 200 or so personnel that you need to bring together. I mean, Notre Dame, they're testing. They said they, they tested 252 Players and staff. That's just within their football program, 252 that needed to get testing through this round of, of testing. So if we take that number as a sort of solid number, you're dealing with 252 people on one side, 252 people on the other side, 500 people who are more or less mixing. And then you take each one of those individuals and they're probably in contact with, you know, on a daily basis a handful of people that are outside of that bubble and then you're multiplying that by the five or the ten or however many are are in contact with them and this is how you have the virus continue to spread throughout society so it's it's not so much and, and again we can get into the argument about the individual players and their health which i've already made my argument for why i'm not willing to risk that because i couldn't name you the player that i'm willing to risk being the one student athlete who dies because of this whole thing but like on the on the larger thing, this is the whole shutdown 
all the mask stuff is about preventing the continued spread of this thing. So I don't think that bringing that group of players together to play football games is worth the risk of continuing to perpetuate this virus across the, the country. That's just sort of where I come down on. So there's a lot of complex things that all fall down to the side of like, now is not the time to be playing football. Yeah, it, unfortunately, it feels that way. Um, if if things turn around, uh, maybe it won't. But but yeah, I'm, I'm and I'm, I'm all right for I'm all for if we learn more, adjust what we know and how we act to those things. All I know is that we're sitting at the start of July and we still know very little about how this thing functions. And I'm not willing to sit out here and make guesses one way or another, and have that be well, we think it's okay, so let's just run with it. Like, I'd rather we know as much as we can before running with it. But that's me. Let's go to a tweet we got from JNU Kuiper. What is your favorite single play of the Pete Carroll era? Mine is Mike Williams' one-handed catch against Oregon State, followed closely by the Mike Williams TD pass uh, to Matt Leiner in the Rose Bowl, JNU Kuiper. Two great Mike Williams plays in his final two games as a Trojan. Who, um, I mean, I don't want to go too obvious here, but like, I got to say the obvious fourth and nine, um, yeah, Matt Liner to Dwayne Garrett is, is, is like the pinnacle of, of sports moments for me. Um, fourth the, and nine and Reggie stopping on a dime and cutting across Reggie stopping on a dime against Fresno State. Uh, one of the ones that I remember vividly, and this might be sort of an under the radar kind of dark horse option. Oh, oh, Joe, oh, Joe the, McKnight in the Rose Bowl, the the oh, the, the, b- bounce the bounce pass, the the dribbled, uh, yeah. the dribbled uh, pass, the, uh, the, the backwards pass. Yeah, the and the dribble, and it was like an eighty yard run that didn't score a touchdown, but like oh, and then Garrett Green, Desmond Reed to Garrett Green in the Rose in, Bowl. Yeah, yeah. that was a such because Garrett Green went to Notre Dame High School where I I went to school. Uh, oh, you went to Notre Dame? Went to Notre Dame High School. Oh, and okay. so, like, my mom taught him, and so, like, he was sort of, like, in in the sphere. And then Desmond Reed, what had gone, what had happened to his career, for those two to come together in that moment in that Rose Bowl, that was that was really special. Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, 4th and 9, the Reggie stopping a dime. And then the other one is the um, goal line stand against Cal. Uh, any one of those those four plays. The, the sack from Manuel Wright. Uh, the 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 final play going incomplete. How loud it was at the Coliseum on that day in two thousand four. Um, that's that's definitely up there for me. Uh, let's go to a tweet from Lee. Will the Pac twelve ever go to a nine game conference schedule if SC demands it? It I I think that the Pac twelve could go to the eight game conference schedule. If enough, it has to be more than just USC. It needs to be Oregon and Washington and all of them realizing this is hurting us to have it function this way. Right. Actually, I think that this whole pandemic thing, the the shakeup of college football. I don't 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 hint at that because I'm already getting those hints in baseball. They're already <laughs> the putting that, that stupid DH garbage on our beautiful national league. Yeah. Let's not encroach with the rules here. But consider this. If John Wilner is right and they're considering the eight plus one, that means doing the eight game conference schedule during this pandemic period. Right. 
And if it works out well enough, I think there would be, you often see that as you try something, it gets sort of, you get used to it and you get more more open to the idea. I think if the Pac-12 is going to do the eight-game schedule without there being some sort of conference realignment or bigger, broader uh, expansion or, or anything like that, forcing it, I think this will be the time coming out of this where they go, huh, that eight-game schedule is pretty sweet. Uh, but uh, so I think it's possible to, to answer the question. I, I I agree that you know doing it one season could could sell it, but I don't know that the benefits of the eight game schedule are going to be made in a COVID season because the benefits of an eight game schedule are, in theory, uh, you can get an extra win, um, or or at least you don't have to play an extra team that everybody else doesn't like, like Alabama doesn't have to, mind you. Uh, the Big 12 plays nine games. The Big 10 plays nine games. I don't think the, the problem isn't nine games. It's, a, it's that the Pac-12 and the Big 10 and the Big 12 play more than the SEC. That is the problem. Uh, it isn't eight or nine. Uh, if the SEC adopted a nine-game schedule, then great. Then let's go forward with that. Um... I, but yeah, like I, like I said, I don't know that playing eight games in a in a eight plus one COVID nineteen schedule is gonna give you the the perks because the perks are that you can maybe not have a season where Oregon's key loss to 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 keep them out of the uh the the playoff was one of two things either a non conference game that maybe they didn't they wouldn't have scheduled if they if they would have had uh, an eight game schedule who knows. Or maybe it's the crossover game against ASU that maybe doesn't happen if they have a nine-game schedule. Who knows? Mm. Uh, you're in you're in a situation here where those either one of those things could have been changed if it was an eight-game schedule. Who knows? Um, but yeah, I don't know that those benefits are, are are reaped. Whereas if you're one of these pro DH lunatics, you can see <laughs> whatever it is. Like like there will be. Reasons that you can say this is this is what's better about the DH, which is absolute heresy, by the way. Um, yeah, let's go to the last email from Corey. Hi, Michael Alicia. I have loved your podcast for years now. And Michael, finally an off-topic topic that I can agree with you about. There are a few things in life that I love. Among those are USC and Formula One. Thank you for an off-topic that I can relate with. Sure beats your crummy food choices, and it beats the European soccer talk. Sorry, Alicia. Bite out, Corey Cameron from Frisco's dad. Thanks for the email, Corey. Uh, we're glad that the F1 talk isn't pissing people off. Uh, maybe we'll find out. At least, not, out. Yet. At least, At least not, not yet. At least not yet. So, Alicia, steering Grand Prix coming up. Uh, second straight race at the Red Bull Ring there in, in, in Spielberg, Austria. Big race for Red Bull. Red Bull needs to bounce back. The, the double DNFs, double retirements, Max Verstappen going out with an electronics issue in lap 11, Alex Albon going out in lap 67 after getting tangled up with Lewis Hamilton. Did you think that Lewis Hamilton should have gotten a penalty for, for that little mix-up there? It sure looked to me, at my three-day-old knowledge of F1, uh-huh. that Lewis Hamilton uh, deserved a penalty for that because... Yeah. Five seconds he got. Yeah, he, he, he definitely initiated the contact from behind uh Can't i do that i am not a uh an f1 twice, twice in three races he's done that to, to albon to take away a podium and it sucks for for alexander albon because 
he had a chance to win the race. He's on so- soft tires, uh, fresher, faster tires towards the end of the race. The Mercs were one and two at that point. Looked like they were could have been infallible, but we know that wasn't the case. Toto Wolf, the the principal director of uh, of Mercedes AMG F1 team, I believe the the official name. Or, uh, we got to talk to Valtteri Bottas. He he would tell us what the official name is. Uh, no one no one actually knows. <laughs> that's a that's a reference to uh, yeah drive to drive. drive yeah. But uh, the the point is, um, Alex. Alex Which, Nabok by the way, Corey, the race, if, you, if you haven't watched Drive to Drive yet and you're an F1 fan, I don't know. Do it. Maybe it's better yeah. for like us three-day-old uh, F1 fans to get into it, the but other it's, thing, it's quite good. If you want to get into F1, I have some great YouTube recommendations. Chain Bear on YouTube. The dude makes explainer videos. They are so good. They are just very simple layman's explanations to everything you need to know about F1. They can be super technical. But he explains it in ways that are not. So uh, I wish there were college football explainers like that for, for basic things. So, yeah, pod, Podcast Rex, Shift F1, great podcast to go listen to. By the way, uh, you know, we always listen to other podcasts and get ideas for how can we improve our show. One thing we're going to, going to adopt from the Shift F1 podcast, they put out a podcast before the F1 season that's the new season primer. It's basically like a two-hour episode, go listen to it, in which... They tell you everything you need to know about F1 as if you didn't know anything. So they, they lay the, they lay it all down. What is F1? Who are, who are the participants? What, what is what? What is what not? Uh, we're going to do that for USC football. Whenever the next season is, we're going to do one of those. Uh, make it very simple. Uh, and it, the, the goal is to make it listenable for both newbies and diehards. Which might be tough, but uh, yeah, we're gonna try. We're we're definitely, and and that's something that we've had people ask us in the past. Can you guys do a podcast where you explain some of the more? Can you explain what SP Plus means? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, I think it's funny because, like, I feel like, and this is just me and you. I feel like we talk about football on a very surface level. We don't get into a lot of the really technical sides of things because. Frankly, I don't. I don't feel like I have the vocabulary to uh, to to talk like that in in the first place. But we've had people talk to us and say like, "Hey, like, can you explain what you mean by this, that, or the other thing?" Those little technical things that you pick up from you know twenty years of having watched football as closely as as you and I have, and it makes me realize that yeah, like we aren't super technical, but we're extremely knowledgeable too, and we, we sometimes we forget that not everyone sort of follows things as closely as we do. So, so so a primer where we get into some of those things and explain the background and the history or the details of of, uh, of what goes into a college football season, I think would be, or certainly a USC football season, would be pretty cool. Yes, indeed. Uh, that's going to wrap up this episode. Thanks for listening. As always, you can head over to Patreon uh, as well to help support the show, patreon.com slash Troy. We'll be back next week, hopefully with our uh, vacation pod, as in not an emergency pod that has to be recorded on vacation. (laughs) Yeah, would like to avoid that one. But you know what? USC doesn't tend to care about uh, what's going on in our lives. This is true. Yeah. Yeah, So, yeah. Until then, we will see ya. See ya. See ya. See ya. We didn't didn't do a final word. Oh, the final word is signs.
Carlos Sainz. Carlos Sainz. Carlos Sainz. I, I, I can't do the the Spanish. Uh, I'm worried with from... the, with the lisp from Spain. Well, it's, it's from Barcelona. I don't Barcelona. know if he's from Barcelona. No, or he's not. from Madrid. There you go. So he wouldn't he wouldn't have the list. Oh, yeah, that's that's fair. Either way, I'm worried for my boy because what? he's going to Ferrari, and all I keep hearing is how Ferrari screwed just, up Ferrari, Ferrari is. Just pulled out that uh, number two finish. Though. I know, they're getting but the, like they, they got the lucky. New, they got the new build in in Hungary. We were, we were listening to the podcast that you were listening to, and like all they're talking about how is like Ferrari's car is awful, and it's it is. crazy it's that the worst car Leclerc that... even got the it's Leclerc, right? Yeah, Charles Leclerc. Yeah, Charles Leclerc even got the second place finish. Like that, it's, that it's crazy that he did that with but that junk of crap car. Like he did. You're gonna put my boy signs in that junk of crab car? Hope not. Alright, see ya. See ya. See ya. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.